Hi there, I'm Steve Joel. Hey, thanks for listening. This is the latest episode in my podcast series, celebrating the people who've changed the way we play or paint or watch Warhammer, the game changers of 40K. Are you, are you a late night guy or an early morning guy? Obviously not first thing in the morning. Late, late night guy, late night guy. We right. um, we like film battle reports and don't finish till like 2am, so it's oh, not the end of the world. Really? <laughs> oh my God. Today's guest only came into the game in 7th edition and he had to be turned all the way around on it by his friends. And I was that kid. And I was like, oh, you play with Barbie dolls. Blah, blah, blah. This, like, the other. And I would like... <laughs> make fun of them <laughs> and, then, yeah, yeah. and they were like oh mate you don't knock it till you try it you should try it and i was like oh, okay then you know what i loved recording this conversation with our guest and i promise you a lot of laughs and some amazing stories in this show but we also broach some tough topics and we talk about what it's like when things don't go your way under the glare of social media like what happened wasn't conveyed properly right. to like the to like the public to other players of one forty k, and uh, it blew back massively, and I got a lot of grief for it, and I was kind of really hurt by it. To be fair, a couple of quick shout outs before we start. The nerds of Hammer Time in New Zealand, you know who you are. Shout out promised, shout out delivered. Also, the Frontline Gaming Network, who support this show every single episode. The New Orleans Open is just weeks away and registrations are also open now for the Las Vegas Open 2022. How good is it to have the big show back for the start of next year? And speaking of big shows, let's get this one going. Today's guest is the current number one player in the UK, last year's European ITC champion. He's won more majors and GTs than I can list here or probably anywhere. He's a member of the ETC winning England team. His Glasshammer gaming team is currently ranked second in the world, only to the stacked Art of War combo. His name is Manny Chima. Manny, thanks so much for being on the program with us. No, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's awesome to come on here. I've seen the... Uh this, uh, this podcast does really well on YouTube and uh, I've l- heard some of the other ones with like really, you know, big players in Warhammer 40k. So, uh, yeah, thank you for thinking of me. It's a pleasure, mate. The first thing we need to deal with is the Batman onesie. <laughs> There's some gl- oh. glorious photos of you online. Oh, yes. Uh, in that oh, Batman. Yes. But where did it come from? How did that come about? <laughs> oh, no, it was just um, I went on a ski trip. And um, I bought this Batman onesie because there was going to be a superhero night out on this ski trip. And then um, when I bought it back, um, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, my God, that Bat logo. We could replace that with a massive glass hammer logo. So me and my dad, (laughs) we got an old glass hammer T-shirt, butchered it, cut the glass hammer gaming massive logo off the back of it and stitched it onto the front of the <laughs> Batman onesie. And there was the birth of Batmany. That's amazing. That's so cool. And it's it, does it just come out for special occasions? I feel like there's a couple of tournaments uh, I haven't seen photos of you, but then there are others where you're just in all your glory uh, in the Batmany onesie. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, it normally uh, it comes out on day two, like the final day of a tournament normally. Right. Uh, if I'm undefeated... Uh, so far in the tournament, then I'll whack that on on the final day. Okay. But um, we have Glasshammer jerseys now that the whole team wears. 
And uh, so I've been wearing that lately. But yeah. uh, who knows? Maybe that onesie will make a comeback. Oh, man. Aren't you going to the States real soon? You've got to take it with you to the States. Oh, yeah. Have to take it there. Yeah, yeah. People in the States know about it because of LVO last year. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I think um, I'm really excited. I've um, I've only ever been to the States twice. And both times were for LVO. So I've only ever been to Las Vegas. And now I'm going to the US Open Texas. So I'm really excited to go somewhere else in, yeah. in America. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah, Texas is a whole different... That's not even like America. It's a whole different, you know, different vibe in Texas <laughs> to everywhere else. Um, the other thing, yeah. before we get started on the the life journey of Manny Chima, the other thing I wanted to... Uh, because I'm a Space Wolves player, you're from Wolverhampton, but you list your favourite oh, army yeah. as Orcs. I feel like there's an obvious faction that you should be the biggest fan of. <laughs> but I suppose not well, everybody yeah, in Wolverhampton I, can play Wolves. Yeah, see, I'm from Wolves. I'm from Wolves. And I do love Wolves. They're my favourite Space Marine chapter. Yeah. So um, anybody who knows me knows that Orcs are my favourite faction. Like, yeah. absolute favourite. Yeah, yeah. And then it's Space Wolves. And then it's just all manner of chaos. All chaos. That's third. Right. Like, really? Everything. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. didn't realize the yeah, chaos love- thing. I know you said several times in battle reports that you do love the wolves. That orcs are your favorite, then wolves. Um, I didn't yeah. realize chaos was like everything else. Oh yeah, I love chaos. Um, I um, I think the first time. Oh yes, when I first got noticed uh, for Warhammer Forty K by the England team, I was playing Eldar. This was back in Seventh um, Edition. So I've only I only started playing the game in Seventh Edition. Never played before that. So about eight years ago, right. and um. I started with Eldar just as the new Codex came out. This was um, Yunari times, shall we say. Right, nice. um, Yeah, yeah, so Yunari Eldar were just absolutely bonkers. And that's when I um, first started playing competitively. So I jumped on it with the Eldar broken stuff. And then I was uh, noticed by Team England. But at that time, the captain was playing Yunari. So I was like, oh, man, I've always thought Chaos looked really cool. So I would love to try and get on the team with chaos and the first thing i went to was chaos demons and i made a whole demon army and it was so cool so yeah i've loved chaos ever since yeah well demons are amazing i feel like i'm getting we we've jumped to about halfway through the interview so let me go back to the beginning <laughs> if that's all right i want to tell me about little manny chima were you an academic kid a competitive kid were you just hung out with nerds what were you like as a young fella oh okay yeah as a as a young fella yeah so i used to um I used to do loads of um, paintballing and like um, rugby. So I played rugby um, at school, in secondary school, and I went to school. And nice. I, uh, yeah, I went to um, I went to a grammar school for like um, that's like a private school for like the first two years of secondary school. And then um, I was a bit of a naughty kid. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's not going to come as a shock, many to be honest. That's not a that's not a big surprise. <laughs> but yeah. No, I was a bit of a naughty kid, so we got kicked out of this grammar school we did. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we went to a normal, you know, just a normal high school. And it was, way, like, way better, so much more relaxed. And it was a totally different atmosphere. And that, it kind of, it made me, it made me do better academically, to be fair. It actually encouraged me to do the work. I, it's, I don't know, it was kind of a bit, it's a bit weird for me. It was like... Um, because I was in a school where everybody was good and so strict and disciplined, it was like, what is this? It's super boring. But then when I went to a school where everybody was having fun, even the teachers would have a laugh with you in lessons right. and stuff like that. And I was like, this is totally different. And this is the kind of place that I want to be. So wow. that kind of pushed me a bit more. And um, that actually made me do really well academically, to be honest. I, uh, I went and did A-levels in maths, further maths, chemistry and biology. 
and then I went to university to study maths. Wow. <laughs> it's that's yeah. quite a turnaround from getting kicked out of school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. It was, um, uh, yeah, a bit of a weird one. As a, as a Kiwi, I have to ask, did you keep up the rugby uh, in your new school? Uh, no. No, I didn't. Uh, all the kids all the kids in my new school, they did paintballing. They right. absolutely loved paintballing and okay. all their time that they were that I had spare, they would, they would do paintballing. So I joined in with the paintballing stuff. Yeah. And that was cool. I love doing paintballing. I feel like there's more of a crossover. This is the first time it's come up in the podcast. But in New Zealand, there's a real crossover between uh, it was paintballing, but now it's that uh, airsoft. There's a oh, lot of crossover between uh, 40K and airsoft. And maybe in the old days, 40K and paintball. Is, is that a crossover you see or am I just making that up in my brain? I have no idea. The airsoft thing, <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a couple of gamers that come into the store and the gaming club um, regularly, and I know they do airsofting, and they've got these massive air rifles, and stuff, they look really cool. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I stopped at paintballing. I didn't go any further than that. <laughs> yeah. So you're oh, you're yes. not one of those ones that played it as a kid. This is the usual story. Played it as a young person, oh, no. then discovered no, girls no. and booze, and then came back. No, 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 no. I was, um, <laughs> like, I, like I said, I was a bit of a naughty kid, so... Um, not great. And um, my friends that started playing paintballing. So actually, it links in quite well. Like the guys who I went paintballing with, they played Warhammer. They played Warhammer 40K. Right. And this was back in seventh edition. So um, I used to hang out with them quite a bit. And we're coming back from a, a paintballing event kind of thing. And um, they were like, well, next weekend, mate, what are you doing next weekend? And I was like, I'm doing nothing next weekend. What about you guys? And they were like, oh, we're going to a Warhammer tournament. And I was like, Warhammer and they were like yeah Warhammer 40k and I was like oh my god is that where you guys play with those little Barbie dolls and I was that kid and I was like oh you play with Barbie dolls blah 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 this, like, the other. and I would like <laughs> make fun of them and, then, yeah, yeah. and they were like oh mate you don't knock it till you try it you should try it and I was like oh, okay then so um, I borrowed an army of a friend turned up to this Warhammer tournament never played a game before and I got absolutely smashed, lost every single game, but I had a great time. We got drunk on the Saturday night. We went <laughs> out, had a, had a meal with all the people at the tournament, uh, made loads of new friends, just random people at the tournament. And, you know, it's it's cool because everybody's from different communities, but also they have this one community that connects them all, yeah. which I thought was really cool. So it was nice to, you know, you're essentially part of like a, a big Warhammer 40k family when you start making friends at the regular tournament scene and stuff. Yeah. So um, I yeah I had loads of fun with the people on the Saturday night. I met five great opponents, had five great games, got smashed every game, but it was uh, it was good and it was fun. And then I was like, actually, you know what? This is quite cool. And they were like, hey, we're going to another one in like three weeks if you want to come. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Actually, you guys have turned my opinion around on this uh, quite well. So I think I will come. It'll be cool. And then I've kind of I've got this thing in me where if I if I do something. I want to be the best. I want to be the best that I can be, not the best in the world or whatever, but just the best that I can be at whatever I'm doing. Right. So I was like, well, I will come, but if I'm going to come, I want to actually try and do half decently. And that's where it all started from. So you started practicing, you went away to your second tournament. Was there a moment or a game or a, an event that you went to where you thought, do you know what? I could actually be pretty good at this. Uh, yeah, it was... Um Basically, just um, when, when the Eldari dropped, when the um, the new Eldar book um, in in 7th edition, I'd been playing for about seven months. Been playing the game for about seven months. And then um, 
I jumped onto this Eldar book and we went to an event called the UK Games Expo. And um, it was the first time, actually, it's a big event in Birmingham. And um, it was the first time that I ever podiumed. And wow. it was like seven months in. I was not expecting it. it. Just turned. It was my first tournament with Eldar. And I was like, I, I know that they're quite good because when I sat down to write the list, I, I added all the units that I thought were fairly decent. And I had a decent mix of them too. And then I just put them on the board and just making the decisions in the game because me and Dan practice together quite a lot. And it made me get, you know, better and better and better. And just decision making in the game at this event just felt a lot easier than the rest. And my army was a little bit more maneuverable because obviously it has something to do with the army you take as well. And the army felt a little bit more maneuverable than what I was using before. I felt like I had more tools in the toolbox to, to do what I needed to do. Right. And then it, I made it to the final game. And in the final game, I was playing Adam Ryland, who is he's still part of Team Wales now. And like eight years ago, like he was like prime, one of the best players on Team Wales. And I was like, oh, man, I'm playing this guy and I'm a nobody that's just started playing Warhammer 40k. Um, and yeah, we, we both had Eldar. He had a very similar list to me. And uh, we went right to the end and uh, we drew. Wow. I drew the game with him. And I was like, wow, I, I was expecting to get absolutely smoked here. But I spoke to him after the game and I was like, do you have any advice? And he was like, he was like, mate, the way that you played this game was very good. He was like, I was not expecting you to make some of the decisions that you did, being like quite inexperienced with Eldar, whereas he had quite a few games with them. And he gave me some tips and they've helped me grow as a player, actually. Adam Ryland is, he's a great player and he's a great guy as well. We're, we're quite good friends now. And it was great to just, you know, play that game with him and see that, yeah, I, I can actually play um, against these top-tier players if I just put my mind to it. And he went into the he went into the final game in first place, and I was in second. So when we drew, he was first, and I managed to podium. I came second, and I was very happy with that. And I couldn't ask for much more, like, seven months into playing Warhammer. And that's when it all switched for me, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I can be very good at this, and I can give these top players a run for their money. Yeah, isn't that great? And I love the I love the fact that you ask a guy like that for for tips, and he actually gives you some tips, some advice. Because yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of a lot of things that you do, if you ask for players who are at your level or just maybe just a bit better for help, then they won't necessarily help you get to a point where you're beating them. I mean, that seems like a a weird thing, but in Warhammer, people tend to be generous about that sort of stuff, you know, giving out information. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So um, it's I think it's quite great because I think everybody wants each other to do well. Um, it's one of those things. So the Coventry GT just happened, right? And yeah. it was super major in the UK. And me and Malik spoke to each other before the tournament. And we both know that we both want to win the event. But we were talking to each other about, you know, like different things that we could take and all of that kind of stuff. And I was talking to James Ramsey, who is on Team England with me. And I was talking to him about like how to build this list and what experience he's had with his orcs because we were playing on opposite England teams in the Battle of Britain that happened last month. Right. And we were both playing orcs. And I was like, oh, so what did you learn with like your orcs? And what did I learn? And, you know, we're, we're both competing at this point to get onto the team because nobody's been selected yet. And we still like, I told him everything I learned about orcs. He told me everything he's learned about orcs. And we kind of put our ideas together and came up with this list for Coventry. And that's like two players competing for a spot on the team 
who are both trying to get on with orcs currently. It might change going forward. Well, it definitely will now with the new changes. But who were both at the time competing for the same spot with orcs, just telling each other all of their ideas, <laughs> just to see how good orcs can be and how well they can do at this massive super major. I, I feel like that wouldn't happen in almost any other uh, world. Yeah, any like other in realm. any other game system. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I just want to touch on something real quick, and we'll come back to coaching later because I know that you do it with your elite academy. But with yeah. that, with that, you know, you come in and seven months later, you're you're playing at the top table and you're drawing with top players and you're doing so well. Do you think? And I suppose it's the same with anything that some people are just a natural. Some people have this natural ability to look at a a game of forty k and see what's going on. And then there are people like me at the other end of the spectrum that that really, really struggle with it and have to really work hard to expand and, and learn. Do you think you can coach someone to be as good as you are and, and other top players? Or do you have to have some natural ability at it? I think um, I think there is such a thing as a natural ability. That That is always the case in, in loads of different, you know, fields in the world. I think whatever you do, if you have like a natural knack for it, say you you can get just as good results as somebody who's trying their absolute best just because you have like a natural knack for it by yeah. trying but not maybe trying as hard as they are or something like that yeah and i have heard i have heard i have, to be honest i have heard that said quite a bit about me just because i <clears throat> i'm one of these players that could pick up an army not play any practice games with it and just take it to a tournament purely on how i think it's going to work and how i think i'll run it yeah. And actually go and do well. Like, um, for example, this orcs list that I took to Coventry, I didn't didn't play a single game with it. I just put it together, mathed it out, theoried how I would go into different matchups, and took it to an event, having never played a game with it. And right. of course, like came out on top at the Coventry GT. So there is that element to it. But also, I do think, I think th- to me, I think there are two types of players in the game. There are those that have got a, a natural knack who with a little bit of you know trying they can become very good mm. but then i also think that there are other practice players where if they if they pick an army and then they play 20 games with that army and take it to a tournament they could probably do just as well as a natural talented player or better than that natural talented player because that natural talented player might pick that army or play two or three games with it and take it to an event and know exactly what they're going to do set in stone but then this guy who's practiced and played 20 games with his army and he's going to turn up. If he's turned up with the same army as the natural guy, he might get a bit further because he knows absolutely every single trick under the sun for right. his army because he's played 20 games. And he's come up in scenarios in practice games that you might not have thought about, whereas the natural player might hit this scenario in, in an actual tournament environment and go, oh, I didn't think about this. How does this go now? Yeah. Whereas the other guys come into it thinking, oh, I've played this and this has happened to me three times in practice games already. So I know exactly how to get out of this. And Whereas then, that natural player might go, right, I need to think on my feet now. And it's, then it's about how quick they can think on their feet. And you get players like me who have an army and you've played 100 games with it and I still am not very good. <laughs> 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 Just looking at your record over the, the different tournaments and the armies you've won with, I mean, there's, there's so many different armies. And I, I wanted to come to this later, but you've brought it up. So let's do this. I feel like there are different kinds of gamers, different kinds of people who play. Some like that toolbox army. We've got lots of, say, different minimal-sized units, but you've got a, a tool for every occasion. You seem like a guy who who just takes as much power as possible. And I know lots of different armies, but similar sort of things where it's just maximum power 
and and then you've got the ability to get the most out of every powerful unit that you've got. You're just like spamming yeah. guns across the board. Uh, and I don't want that to sound like a criticism because, I mean, you're one of the best players in the world, so it can't be. To be honest, what, what I what I like to do is I will look at an army and I will find a couple of combos that are great in that army and go, right, what happens if I heavily skew into this? Right. And, you know, do I lose too much board presence if I go into this too far? Can I play the game? if I just have brute force and stuff like that. And you kind of have to weigh it out at times. And if you can, you roll with it. But if you can't, that's when you have to make the tough decisions and go, right, do I do I go with a more balanced list for this army that's going to give me a tool in every situation? Because I have played a few toolbox armies as well. Right. Um, like the like the Eldar, the Yunari and stuff like that. And, you know, Harlequins and stuff. But then you go, or oh, do I just switch to another army where there is a combo that if I exploit it, I take maximum out of it, it can play the mission just on brute force. And then um, you have to kind of go that way. Now, the reason why I skew is, um, one, it can render some of your opponent's army useless. So this is why I like to do it as well. <clears throat> so say I have bought my orc list that I took to Coventry this weekend, right? And then I go up against a player who's a very good player, and because I came up, with, I came up against some of the best players in the UK at Coventry, and you know they they come with an army that's toolboxy, so it's good, it's resilient, it plays the mission, and it hits hard, and it can hit hard against multiple different targets because they've got, like you say, toolbox units. They've got different units for different occasions in their army, and then I turn up with my orc army and I go right. I've basically just turned up with 21 vehicles. <laughs> yeah. You've got a toolbox army. So 60% of your army is no good against me. 40% is what's going to do the damage. Oh, look, I've gone first. 30% of your 40% is dead. So you've still got 70% of your army, but 60% of it is not optimized against me. Right. What do you do now? Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you look at my list, you will realize that the, the skew is very big there. Like, if I go... For example, with the Admech, I didn't leave that halfway either. When I went to Gibraltar, I took 150 Rangers and 24 Cerberus Raiders. And people were like, what are you doing? How come you have no Laskan and chickens, no planes in your army? And I was like, well, people are expecting it. If you look at all these Admech lists, they've got like five or six Laskan and chickens, Ballisteri this is, and two or three Laskan and planes at Gibraltar. Um, so if I bring like one or two vehicles, they're getting gunned down. And people have bought um, Drakari with seven lances in their army. If I bring two vehicles, again, they'll just get gunned down. But what have I done? I've turned up with 150 rangers and 24 horses and gone, right, now shoot your anti-tank weapons at my blobs of 20 rangers. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it eliminates the things that they've taken to deal with other things. Right. So that's why I skew. So, like, the Gibraltar list was all infantry, and then people's anti-tank was out the, out the game. And then here at Coventry, I turned up with, like, 21 vehicles. And a couple of characters. That was literally my whole army. So it meant that, you know, all of the things people take to deal with infantry are pretty useless against me. And two damage becomes one because of ramshackle. A lot of the a lot of the two damage weapons in the game right now shrink six and seven and even five. And all of that goes down to one damage. And you're like, wow, okay, there's even less. You know, there's anti-tank people can take, but now there's even less of it because I have that ramshackle rule. 
and I cut even some elite shooting down by 50% when it's, you know, when it's two damage and you make it one and it's quite elite, then they're losing even more of their firepower. So then you just go for the few things in their army that do big damage, like D6 or D3 plus three. And once you take those out, your opponent finds it very hard because they might have spent four or 500 points of their army, like a good 25% to deal with infantry that other people are taking and objective holding units, which you have none of in your army. So I find that not always, but quite a lot of the time, if you skew far into something, it becomes incredibly hard for your opponent to deal with it uh, while you're also chipping away at the things that can hurt you. Right. I imagine you've got some good stories from tournaments. I think the one thing that I'm known most for in the UK is being lucky. Like, insanely lucky. I, people call me Jammy Manny over right. here. Yeah. And um, I, I'm sure people people on the American team will know. Like Nick Nanavati. Nick knows, man. Nick knows. And some of the other members of the, of the American team will know. I've done some pretty jammy stuff at the table in situations maybe where I probably shouldn't have. And they've just come off like... Um, one of the things at the ETC, we played against um, against Team America. I um, I can't remember who I was playing against, but this was at the start of Eighth Edition, and um, they had um, Sisters and Grey Knights, <clears throat> and I had the Razorwing flock back when that was a thing. Right when you could take a hundred and fifty Razorwing bases, so it was like <laughs> loads of birds, and um, I had like uh, five spirits in an army. Um, Ivrain, Incarn, and a Farseer with 150 birds. That was literally my whole army. Wow. And I got paired into a bad matchup where he had sisters and he had like six units of retributors, the heavy, the heavy sisters. And it had like four heavy bolters per squad. And this was back when sisters could shoot twice. And it was allied in with five units of five Grey Knights, all with storm bolters. And I've got 150 toughness two birds or toughness three birds flying around i was like oh okay (laughs) this looks like it could be quite bad um and then my opponent came to screen off the middle of the board to stop me moving somewhere and um i moved my flock forward and i i looked at my captain and i was like look bro i was like i can either you play this very defensively and get three points and it's a 20 nil system at the etc for anybody that doesn't know now called the wtc um but basically, a three points means my opponent will win 17-3. So that's a thrashing. And I was like, if you need the three points, I can play defensively and I can get three points out of this. But I'm getting smashed. Or I can go for this these two 12-inch charges and see what happens. And he was like, well, okay, three points is of no use. We need over 10 to win the round. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'll go for it then. <laughs> and I moved my Razoring flags to the middle of the board and one of them had an 11 inch charge and one of them had a 12 and he went over and he was talking to Nick, Nick Nanavati and I could see he was and then he came back and he was smiling and Nick was smiling and he was, I was like, oh, what's up, man? And he was like, I've been told, I've been told that you're going to make these charges. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, well, now I believe I'm going to make this charge. And you're also believing I'm going to make this charge. So by the power of belief, this charge has to go off. And then I rolled the 11-inch charge, and it went off. And he wasn't even surprised. He was like, yeah, roll the 12 too, man. And I rolled it, and it was a double six. And Nick, from like the other side of the room, was like, I told you. I bloody told you he was going to do this. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, it was insane. And I think um, 
one of the luckiest things I've ever done, ever, ever done. Um, Malik, actually at the Coventry, this gets brought up all the time in the UK, like all the time. There's a player over here called Mark Crombleholm. I'm yeah. sure a lot of Americans will know him. He comes to every LVO. He's a great player. He's trying out for the England team as well. And I played against Mark and um, I, was using, I was using his dice. I turned up to an event because people think I'm very, very lucky. So I turned up to an event with no dice and I just asked all my opponents if they were okay sharing their dice because I don't want anybody to think that anything's going on. Right. And everybody was like, yeah, that's fine. So when I played Mark Cromble home, the game was basically over. He had a unit of four grotesques. And grotesques, are, you know, everybody knows they, they were toughness six with a four plus invulnerable save and a six of feel no pain back then. And that was bonkers. And all I had left on the board were two guardsmen Harker and one Wyvern and I was like oh man we've lost this game but this was back when if you got tabled you just win the game if you tabled someone and I was like well there is literally nothing I can do here okay let's just shoot the Wyvern at the grotesques and see what happens we're not giving up we both got a couple of models left anything could happen I shot this Wyvern at Mark Crumbleholm and he will tell you this story. And the lads that were still on the side tables were watching because this was a top table game. And they all gathered round. And I was like, right, 46 shots. Quadruple six. 24 <laughs> shots. And I was like, okay, okay, that, that's pretty bonkers. Let's see where we can take this. Hitting on fours, re-rolling ones. 24 shots. 24 hits. And I was like, whoa, this is insane. And everyone was like, what is going on? What is going on? And I was like, okay, we're wounded on fives. Wounded on fives with full re-rolls, 24 shots, 24 hits, 24 wounds. No. Like wounding on God. fives with re-rolls, 24 <laughs> wounds. And Malik was saying, just to get to that stage, because so many things have to go right for you, it's like mathematically pretty much impossible yeah. for that to happen. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then Mark failed 20 out of 24 four up in vulnerables no. with the same dice that I just used. That's and disgusting. That. Yeah, and oh. he rolled his saves and he felt everything and he was like, stop using my bloody dice now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it, 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 like one Wyvern should take two wounds, maybe three off a grotesque, and that one just aced the unit of four. And wow. I was like, wow, this is bonkers. But yeah, that is probably the luckiest thing I've ever done in 40k. That's, yeah, that's disgraceful. Do you Crazy. know what? There's, it's funny because there are always combos. When I talk to Brian Pullen and Adrian, uh, Brian's always lucky and Adrian's known as the guy that rolls ones on Tabletop Titans. You've got Dan and David. <laughs> and um, I even, even I've got a mate named Aaron. I play against him more than anyone else. He rolls so ridiculously well, and I'll use the same <laughs> dice. I'll pick up his dice and roll all ones, and I'm just like, the maths – only works out when two of us are together because he's so lucky and I'm so unlucky and it averages out, but only between two of us. And it's kind of like that with you and whoever you're playing. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's amazing. So listen, outside of the ETC or the WTC, because I really want to come to that mm -hmm. separately, what's the favourite yep. tournament that you've that you've been to or that you go to? What's your favourite place to go play? Yeah, this is um, this is um, a hard question actually. So there used to be, there used to be just before lockdown, there used to be. Um, an event in Element Games up north in um, in Manchester, and they were run by Tim King, um, and it was called Caledonian. So it was like Caledonian Uprising yeah. and Caledonian Revolution. They were two big events that would happen every year in January and uh, July, <clears throat> and those were like 
the competitive shark tanks in like England because they were only 80 man events. But when you turn up to these events, it's very different to like the American scene because you you would turn up to this event and Manchester is like in the middle of England. Everybody can get to there within like two hours. And from London, it's like three hours. So it's it's not very far at all. So you would turn up to this 80 man event and there would be like 25 players who you could go. Yeah, any one of these 25 will win this event. Right. It's not like you could look at the field and go, yeah, these three players are way better than everyone else. One of them three is going to win. It wasn't like that. You would turn up and go, right, yeah, these 25 players here, any one of them could win. Like half of team, and this is what I found great, like half of team England, Scotland and Wales would all turn up there as well. So, you know, it's separate from the WTC, but all of these players that were making their national team were all turning up to these Caledonian events. And you're like, wow, in a singles event, there are so many players here to play. And that's why that was one of my favorite, because it's very competitive. But I've got to admit, in recent years, because because that's kind of gone away, I love going to the LVO. Right. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Because it's, um, you know, f- for us, going over from here, from the UK, it's a holiday too. You know, like you're going to an event, but also it's a, it's a big lads holiday kind of thing. So um, we kind of bunch together. We we just make like a big group chat of all the other lads that we know that are going from the UK. And we kind of all, we, we kind of try to line our flights up. So we're all going at the same time, uh, stay in a similar sort of area, maybe even the same hotel, just so we can have lots of fun, basically. So I like it because I like any tournament where you can go there. Um, it's a laugh. You have a great time at the event playing against great opponents, but also it's a bit of a holiday. Like you go out with everybody and have, have a great time in the evening. It's more about the social too. Right. I like it when, when an event is 50% about the event and the other 50% is about the social, you know, meeting all these people in America that you've heard of, but never met before. And, you know, cause you make friends like I've made friends with um, some of the top players in, in America. And then when we go over there, we just have a laugh and it's like, you've only just met each other last week. But it's obviously you haven't. You've met you've met them like six months ago. But it feels like you've only just met them last week, yeah. and you have a great laugh. And you know we only get to go to those kind of events, like we say once or twice a year in the states. Which it, it's nice for it to have a social element too. The hobby attracts so many different types of people. If you talk to folks who don't know anything about forty k and don't play forty k, what they have in their mind as a nerd who plays this game is not at all Manny Chima. Like you're, you know, you're just you're this fun guy. You're going to go and have a few ales or a few lagers or whatever, and just have this blast in Las Vegas with all your friends. And it's not at all, <laughs> not at all this nerdy little, as you said, what right back at the start, it's not a bunch of nerds playing with Barbie dolls. That's part of it, yeah, but it is, but it yeah. is just fun the, social. You know, yeah, I think that that's a great part of it because, like I say, I was one of those people before who just thought, yeah, it's just a bunch of nerds playing with Barbie dolls. And, you know, my, my perception changed massively as soon as I went to one event, just one event, because the social element of it was so great. And, you know, the kind of people that you expect to play this game are totally not the kind of people that are playing this game. <laughs> it's um, especially when you like, you know, you talk to like other other top players like in that you're at a tournament with and everybody's like a teacher or, you know, there, there are people that are teachers, there are people that work in retail, right. there are people who are lecturers at university, there are, you know, there's, there's people from everywhere, there's firemen, policemen, I know loads of doctors that play in dentists, there, there are so many people from all the, you know, there's a plum, with me and Dan, we've like, um, we're setting up the stream room the other day and we were like, oh man, 
this light, uh, we have no idea how to do this light now. We need an electrician. And then we were like, oh, hey, Waz is an electrician. Hey, <laughs> so-and-so is an electrician. So-and-so is an electrician. And they're all people that we've met in Warhammer 40K yeah. at tournaments. And we're like, oh, wow, yeah. So, you know, and it comes back to what I was saying before. If you get a bit involved in it and you you meet loads of people at tournaments and you actively try to make an effort with the people who are your, you're making friends with at tournaments, then you become part of this bigger kind of like 40K family. It's, you know, it's a really tight community and everybody kind of is more than you know, helpful to each other. I've back before me and Dan had the store, um, when I wanted to like start a new army, like I wanted to play a, um, a Tyranid army back when I didn't have one. I, w I asked somebody at an event, I was like, uh, I'm sorry, I played somebody at an event and I was like, oh man, you know, those mids are cool. I wish I had some to try some out. And then my opponent who I'd only just met and played for that one game was like, oh bro, yeah, no worries, man. Like you're from the Midlands, I'm from the Midlands, and he was like, "Here, just ju just take my army back with you from the event <laughs> and play a few games with it and what? drop it off at my house because you live an hour away, so it's fine." And I was like, yeah. "What? Like it's such a it's such a great community to be a part of." It really is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about playing for England. How great did that feel when you got the call up to to go and play for your country? Oh yeah, that that was fantastic. That was amazing. I was I was so so pleased. Um, uh, I think what, one of the one of the greatest things was to be fair is I've um, I've always been like the baby of the team ever since um, I, I got on because when I started playing 40k um, seven months later was the time where I got noticed with the, with the Eldar and then I got asked to come to a practice event and that was when every you know the captain was playing Eldar so I had to move on to something else and I started playing demons and I played demons for for five months um, and then it was like selection time. And um, that's the that's the year I got on the team. So I was like, wow, I've I've only been playing Warhammer 40k for a year, and I'm on Team England. This this like this feels amazing. And I was like 18 years old. <laughs> so wow. yeah, I was like the baby of the team, and I always have been pretty much. I don't think I don't think anyone younger than me has got on the team since, um, which might change this year. There are some young you know young players up and coming that are applying for the team. So that'd be quite cool. But I think it was. It was wicked that I was like 18 years old, been playing Warhammer 40k for a year, yeah. and then got asked to come and play for Team England. I thought that was that was great. It's one of my one of my biggest achievements in 40k, I think. And then and then going on to win it was it 2019? You guys, uh, you won the whole thing. You had an an American interloper on your team, to be fair, but uh, <laughs> but, but you guys you yeah. guys took out the title. That must have been phenomenal. Yeah, it, it was such a great feeling. Um, I think it's uh, the ETC is my most favorite event of the year. Right. Like, because, um, you know, barring singles, singles is totally different, totally different. You can't even compare the two. Um, yeah, ETC is my favorite event of the year by far, like head and shoulders above the rest, because it is a massive lads holiday. <laughs> like, we go out there, you're out there with another eight guys from your team um, and your coach, and there's like 10 of you going all out together. <clears throat> and you just have a great time. It's a laugh. And I think there's no other event like it. When you lose, you lose as a team. You pick each other up. The morale, everything feels so good. And like when you win, you win as a team. And that feels, it feels a lot better than when you win a singles game. If you win a round as a team, it's, it's great because it also, it's one of those situations like where I was saying before, where, uh, for example, if you only get five points in your game, that means you've been beaten 15-5. That's a fairly big win to your opponent if you've lost 15-5. But those five points... 
could be the difference between you guys drawing the round and winning the round because it's it's an overall you know it's eight man teams against each other so it's the total scores added up for your team across those eight games and you need to cross a threshold of points to win the round so yeah you you getting beat 19-1 but bringing home that one point that one point could be the difference between losing a round and drawing the round so it's it's just so much bigger and it feels better when you win as a team than when you do in singles it it's just a yeah it's a totally different atmosphere yeah. and then when you go out there i think one of the best things about it is when you go for a night out oh my god it's like <laughs> you, there's 10 of you from Team England yeah. and you join up with the 10 lads from America and the 10 lads from Northern Ireland and the 10 lads from Spain and France and Germany and you go on this crazy night out. You turn up to a nightclub and there's like 70 of you. <laughs> it's just, you know, you go in and all of a sudden, because you've gone in there with all the other people in the nightclub, it just gets crazy. Yeah. And it's it's great. You have a great night out and you meet loads of people and again, you make loads of friends. So um, I think... Some of the closest friends I've made at the ETC are the lads from the Dutch team, uh, Dusty Justy, who's like second in Europe on the on the ITC rankings, and Rude, who is the captain of Team Netherlands. Those guys are really, really good friends of mine. Um, I've been asked to go and play in a team tournament with like the captain and some of the other best players on Team Netherlands in like a um, in a tournament in Netherlands, which is local to them. Um, in, in just a team, like four-man teams. And they're like, oh, Manny, how would you like to come over to the Netherlands and just play with us on our team? And I was like, yeah, that would be incredible because we have such a great time together, so why not? And um, it's actually the weekend after Texas. So I fly to Texas, and then I fly back on Tuesday. And on the Friday, I fly out to Amsterdam to play in a <laughs> tournament with the lads. And it's just, it's great. You know, you, you meet these guys. We started off meeting once a year at the ETC. And now we see each other like four or five times in the year because they come over to some events in the UK and they invite me over to some of the events in, in Amsterdam. I, I think it's just great. It's fantastic. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else like it, I think. The playing for your, your country and then going out there and making loads of friends from other countries, I think that, yeah, there's, there's nothing else like that. You're living the dream, my friend. You're living the dream. That's amazing. Like that sounds just like every 40k player would just be. Oh, that just sounds amazing. So, listen, there are a couple of other things I want to touch on before we. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm conscious that I'm taking up an awful lot of your night time, uh, but a couple of other things that I'd be remiss not to ask about. There was some controversy. I don't know a few months ago, and uh, you you. De- I'm not going to talk about what it was because it was dealt with. Everybody can go find it. What I want to ask about is. You know, you you have a great time, right? You have you have fun. You make content. You've got some great friends, and then there's this pile on on the on the internet. And I want to ask, because I don't think people think about this. Talking to you, how did you feel about all that kind of going through it all, or did did it pass you by? Tell tell me about that time. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, there was there was some controversy like a, a couple a couple of months back, and um, I I kind of I looked at it and I was like, oh man what is going on you know there's been some there has been like some miscommunication on a few different uh, levels i think it was because i think it was two occasions on the bounce it was like two events on the bounce that something happened um that wasn't conveyed what happened like what happened wasn't conveyed properly right to like the to like the public to other players of 140k and uh, it blew back massively and I got a lot of grief for it. And I was kind of really hurt by it, to be fair, because um, pretty much everybody everybody that I play, I have a great game with because I just like to have a laugh with Warhammer 40k. I, I always say to my opponents, I'm like, 
um, at the end of the day, we're playing a game of toy soldiers. So if if you're not having a laugh with your opponent, because we're all here to try and win, it, it is a tournament. We're here because we want to try and play our best and do the best we can. But if we're not having a laugh with our opponent while we're doing that, what is the point? Yeah. Like every time you play a game, you're wasting three hours of your life if you're not having a laugh and you're not enjoying it. So I've always been that kind of guy where I like to have a laugh with my opponent and you know, just just go from there. And I, I like to have loads of fun with Warhammer 40k. So when that was happening, and like loads of bad things got said about me, and I was like, wow, I'm I'm, I'm quite hurt about about this to be honest, because I, I I don't really like I don't like to play the kind of way that people were saying that I play. And uh, yeah, it was you know it was it was a bit weird. It was a bit weird. But I was like, you know what? Um, people people who are saying this, they don't actually know me. They've never played me in a game. They've just seen something and kind of jumped on a bandwagon, say, and just started slating without knowing what happened. So because one of one of the big things was um, the Gibraltar GT, the Gibraltar GT, that was um, that was one of the biggest things that happened. And off the back of that, quite a lot of things got said like, um, oh, this is because people said this is outrageous. They're talking out the game from turn two. That's basically what was said. They were like, oh, they've, they've got to the end of round two and they've run out of time. So they're talking it through where actually what had happened is and me and Malik were playing and it, we were on the top table at the Gibraltar GT and we've played each other on the top table multiple, multiple times. Right. And we've had great games. And what had happened in this game was at the end of turn two, Malik had made a mistake um, and I had managed to capitalize on this mistake um, wrapped um, a small amount of what he had left on the board with a unit of 20 rangers. And I managed to deep strike in his deployment zone and wrap a character on his home field objective with a unit of 10 priests. So we both looked at it and we were, and Malik said to me, he was like, bro, he was like, you've wrapped me in the middle of the board so I cannot escape with an obsec unit. You are on your own two objectives and now you've wrapped me on my home field objective where I physically cannot get out again. And he was like, I have zero primaries. I cannot score any primaries from now on. So what happened was Malik conceded at that point right. at the end of turn two. Um, so I think that it wasn't conveyed to people that he'd conceded. Um, and what actually happened was we had 25 minutes left on the clock. I know that's not a lot at the end of round two, but it was Admech versus Admech. And we both had gun lines. So we knew that those first two or three turns were crucial. And after that, the game would be decided. So at the end of round two, when he looked at the board and everything he basically had on the board, bar two units of five guys, was basically wrapped in combat. So he couldn't do anything. So he decided to concede at the end of round two. So what we did was we tallied up our points. Because um, obviously, if somebody concedes, the player who won the game doesn't just get like the 30 points they have so far. That would be ridiculous, right? If they if they were winning 30-10 at that point, you wouldn't just end it at turn two and go, right, the player who's in first place, he can only have 30 points for this game now. So we, um, what we had to do was we had to call over the ref and then the ref looked at the board and they would go, right, you've conceded. So what happens now is I'm going to tally up the points that I think Manny would get for turns three, four and five. And they worked out the score like that. So it ended because my opponent conceded, not because we ran out of time. And that was a big misconception and it blew up on the internet massively. People were like, uh, how dare they? 
on the top table, how can they, because they ran out of time and they only got to turn two, they've just talked out the rest of the game and added whatever score they wanted to, which of course was not the case. It's interesting though that everybody, you know, and it's happened so much with all different things on on social media, almost everybody that comments starts with the word apparently. Because yes. that word means I wasn't there, I don't know what's going on, but I've heard through a person, through a person, through another person, through the sister of the uncle of the yeah. guy who saw the video. Apparently, here's what happened, which is, you know, it means nothing. But as you say, the more pile on there is, it's actually, it's hurtful. People don't understand that at the other end of this, there are two actual human beings who just wanted to play a game of 40K and they're saying yeah. all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and we, we got quite a lot of slack for that, and we were like, well, you know, we, we've played each other on top tables multiple times. We're good friends. Me and Malik are great friends. We, we Yeah, we come to some events in the States together, and we, you know, we go to, we went to Amsterdam together to play in a nine-man GT, and that was good fun. And that's the thing, like, we're friends who were playing a game on the top table, and we could see when it was done. And, you know, I don't want to stand there and say to my opponent as well, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think I have a right to turn around to my opponent at the end of round two and go, look, man, I know you don't want to play the game and you can see that you've already lost, but I'm going to force you to play the next three turns. I think that would also be very, like, that wouldn't be very sportsmanlike of me right. to go, look, I, I know you're losing, but I'm forcing you to play these three turns because I need points. I also think as the, as the player who's got the win, you shouldn't be just given the points that you have at the time because that could just hamper you. If somebody were, for example, to give up at the end of round one, when you've only scored 10 points so far, maybe you've almost tabled their army. So that's why they've conceded. But you've only got 10 points at the end of battle round one. Are these people online really saying that even though you've won and your opponent's conceded at the end of turn one, you should only win 10 nil now? No, and that would open up so many other gamesmanship opportunities too if you're on a, exactly. you know, if you've got mates, you're on a team, you want someone to do well and not someone else, whatever. But listen, exactly. the, the thing, I just wanted to address it because I know people will talk, well, people will come into this episode and think, oh, he didn't ask the question. And, but for me, it's more about, yeah. you know, you're a human being, you're a lovely guy and I've, you know, the thing is, the people who know you, who've played against you, and I've met a lot of these people online and spoken to them on these shows, people rave about you, mate. They, When I said to I said to a couple of people, I want to talk to Manny Chima, and they were like, loveliest guy in the world. They're oh, the ones that fantastic. matter, surely, aren't they? Yeah, that, that, that's great to know. That That is great to know. And, you know, that's that's kind of what got me through it because I was like, everybody that I'm, I actually play regularly in the in the uk scene and also internationally i like to think i've had great games against we always have a laugh i i tend to have a beer with quite a few of my opponents while we're playing the game because that's also just great having a having a beer and having a laugh and playing some 40k yeah. that's what it's all about and i think I've, I've done that with a lot of players um on on top tables at many many events and the fact that you know i've come on here and you've told me that those people are holding me in high regard that's fantastic for me that's what it's all about for me i think it's about being one big community where you're all trying to you know you're all like-minded you're all trying to do as well as you possibly can in the game but you know you appreciate when somebody else is a nice guy too and yeah i, I think that's great it's, yeah that's that's really lifted me up mate thank oh, you Oh, good well listen i want to um finish off maybe by talking about um the Glasshouse. Well, Glasshammer Gaming and The Glasshouse. You got into content creation, which is a big step to take. And then you've opened The Glasshouse a couple of years ago, which was, to be honest, just before COVID hit. So that must have put you through some challenging times as well. Yeah. It, you know, it was it was quite difficult. So Glasshammer Gaming all started a few years ago, about four years ago. <clears throat> Me and Dan, 
so we, we, we are practice partners and, you know, uh, he lives in Telford and I live in Wolves and we're like 25 minutes away from each other drive. Yeah. So, um, literally twice a week we would play against each other. He would come to mine, I would go to his and we would have many, many practice games back when we were first on team England and we were talking about it and, you know, I, I, I said to him, I was like, wow, bro, <clears throat> how great would it be? if our job was to play this game that we love so much and he turned around and he was like, you know, it's really funny that you should mention that Manny, because I've been thinking exactly the same. And um, he was like, why don't we try something? And that's exactly where glass summer game came from. Two people playing in uh, playing a game of one before K in Dan's living room, um, surrounded by, you know, <laughs> his girlfriend and family and stuff, just having a few drinks and playing 40K in the living room. And we went to, yeah, let's make a business out of this. And then yeah. we started Glass Hammer Gaming. And um, from there, about two years ago, we had the opportunity to move into um, a big um, a big unit, a, a big store, and kind of grow Glass Hammer Gaming into a store where people can come and play games, you know, more of a community, less of a store, more of a gaming space for people in, in the Midlands here. Yeah. And uh, then we just went, you know what? He who dares, you know, we, we, weren't in a, we weren't in a great position. We hadn't earned loads and loads of money yet that just Glass Hammer Gaming was doing fairly well. So we, we both have this mentality of he who dares wins, right? If we don't ever, if we don't try this and this opportunity never rises again, we'll kick ourselves. So instead of wondering what if, let's just go for it. So we opened the glass house and a really, really unfortunate timing. We opened last year in March. And then two weeks after we opened the store, the entire country went into lockdown. Uh, you managed to get through that, through that phase and you, the, the shop is still open and you're still going, right? Uh, yeah, you know, so, so grateful to our elite members. Our elite members are an absolute fantastic bunch of people. They're absolutely great. They are what kept us going through lockdown. All of the people that, um, you know, subscribed to the elite membership, they all carried on watching Let's Talk Tactics. Back then it was called Monday Night Mashup, um, but it's it's now called Let's Talk Tactics. They all continue to watch that. They all continue to buy a lot of product, actually through the lockdown i think because a lot of people were stuck at home right in lockdown and i think they just wanted to a lot of people started a new army you know and <laughs> yeah. you know they just bought a new army and started painting it at home and then they would watch the live streams and battle reports that we would put up because they're they're at home and it was just fantastic and you know they would watch their soul tactics every week and they would support they would they would all come in and chat and it just made it a lot bigger and, and greater from there. And not very many people cancel their subscriptions, which we found very surprising, actually, because, um, you know, it's one of the first things you would think, you know, if you came into a hard time in COVID and, you know, you were on furlough, then you would think, oh, you know what, um, my phone, maybe I don't need that. Oh, this uh, gym subscription, I don't need that. Glass Hammer Gaming, the elite. Yes, I don't need that right now. So I'll cancel it. But what we found was not very many people did that. And, you know, that that support from our local community was just fantastic. And it was so uplifting. And it made us want to carry on and get through it that we have these local we have this local community that all want to see us actually thrive and get through this yeah. um, and just see the gaming store expand, which was very like heartwarming. That was great. And uh, yeah, we, we actually had a lot of people come into the game. Uh, and into our community over lockdown because we had a lot of local people who had played 40k in the past and then gone away for years and years 
And now in the lockdown, they had nothing to do. So they decided to get back into 40K. <laughs> and that grew the community a lot more, actually. And as soon as lockdown lifted now and we're open and we've got an ad out on Facebook and YouTube so that all local people know that we, you know, we have this community um, in Telford. We are like t- t- Telford's tabletop gaming community, basically. And the glass house is there for people to play. And we've kind of t- we turned it around over lockdown. We had a lot of work to do. Um, upstairs in our store now is is the gaming store, and then downstairs is actually twice the size of upstairs, and is all gaming tables. So we have like 30, 30 Warhammer 40k tables set up that you know six by fours that people people come and play X Wing, Star Wars Legion, Lord of the Rings. Um, they play like card games pokemon and magic they play warhammer 40k and age of sigma we've got this massive community now and we've kind of focused more on the community than the store because we think it's all about growing the warhammer 40k community and if, if you give to the community the community will support you and give back that's why upstairs where the store is is half the size of downstairs where everybody games because yeah. gaming is more fun <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that you get to I feel like there's a real reward in being being the center of that hub in the local community. I'm wondering whether you mentioned your dad before helped you stitch the glass hammer gaming logo onto the the Batman outfit. Yeah. Uh, how did your folks react when you said um listen, I want to I want to go full time oh, in this yeah. Warhammer thing? Yeah, to, to be honest, I'm I'm quite lucky actually. My my parents are really really supportive and they always have been. And um, my mom and dad are always like, you know, whatever you want to do, just do. And we will support you 100 percent. And they're like, you know, as long as we can see that you are working towards something, we'll be proud of you. So I, I'm really quite happy that my parents don't like they don't go, oh, man, you could have been a maths teacher or an accountant or a, or a doctor with with the A-levels that you've got and the degree that you've got. They kind of just go, hey, it's, it's great that you've got the degree as a backup. Right. Like, it's great that you have that as a backup. We're, we're happy that you have something to fall back on if it doesn't work. But it's great that you're trying and any way that we can help you, we will do. And they have been very, very supportive of, of me trying to, you know, do glass hammer gaming with Dan. One last thing, um, and it's because I see the battle report so often. I very often see you wear a bracelet with your name on it, and I wondered if there's a story behind that. Oh, okay, yes, no. Um, the uh, the bracelet I wear is called a, a Gara. It's K A R A, um, and it's one of the five Ks. Actually, it's it's religious. So I'm a I'm a Sikh, and um, we have we have this thing called the five Ks, and they're like um, religious items that you'd wear, and one of them is is the bangle that you wear on your wrist, and it's um, normally it's like a um, a steel one, just a you know a plain steel a bracelet, and I had one of those for a very very long time, but um, when I um, graduated and I got my degree from university my mom and dad were really proud of me and my mom was in India at the time so she didn't she didn't get to see me when I when I graduated and stuff so she bought me back this uh, this bracelet and it's um yeah it's made of like in Indian gold and stuff so wow. and it's got my name engraved on it and I'm like wow th- th- this is from my mom and yeah I, I never take it off that, that bracelet never comes off I don't think it ever will I think I will uh yeah I, I've I've had it for like three years now and I've, I've never taken it off, not once. I, it doesn't come off because I put it on when I was like 20, 22 <laughs> and now I'm like 26. When I go through <laughs> the airport, I always get beeped because it doesn't come off. Right. And then they look at it and they, they scan my arm and they go, well, yeah, that's fine. No problem. Yeah. But they can see that it doesn't come off. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I cherish it. I love it. Do you know what? I've seen that uh, bangle, bracelet, whatever you call it, the cutter so many mm-hmm. times 
And and I, every single time I thought, I bet there's a story behind that. If I ever get the chance, I'll ask him. And now I have. So I'm, <laughs> And it's such a lovely story. So thank you. Listen, mate, thank you so much. This has been a slightly longer episode, but worth every minute. I just, you've got so many great stories and you're such a lovely guy and I appreciate your time. No, yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for having me on. You've been great. I watch your show and I've always wanted to come on, to be fair, when I've been looking <laughs> at the others. And I'm so happy that you reached out and actually thought of me, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Manny Chima and congrats, Manny, on yet more wins since we recorded this chat just a few days ago. The links to Glasshammer Gaming and The Glass House are in the show notes. If you like this conversation, go to 40kgamechangers.com to get all of the interviews with the biggest names in Warhammer. Go like us on Facebook too. We'd really appreciate it. See you next time. Until then, I'm Steve Joel, and this has been 40K Game Changers. 